All right, just get your worship guides out, and uh, would you join me in taking notes today? Because we believe note-takers are history makers. Amen. Now, we're in a series entitled Mission Impossible, and this and we're in the part, second part of the series. How many of you here last week? Last week, raise your hand if you were here. Okay. Oh, wow, a lot of people weren't here last week. And so if you weren't here, I just want to encourage you, if you need to fire up your passion for God and fire up your faith, you want to listen to last week's message, it's on YouTube. We had a Facebook issue. Sorry about that, everybody out there. But it's up now, and it's fixed. And so please go get that. It'll help you out a lot. But this series is dedicated to the final week of Jesus' life. We call it Passion Week. And we're taking a month to talk about a week. And there were basically these four messages that we're going to focus on during the Passion Week. I'm calling them mission priorities, okay? And so these mission priorities, in, in, in essence, come from headquarters. They come from God the Father. They're given, these instructions are given to God the Son, and then God the Son tries to give them to his disciples who don't really get the mission until it's over. <laughs> They're a little late coming to the show. And Jesus basically comes with this assignment to save the world before it self-destructs. And time, in essence, like Mission Impossible, was running out. And so in this final week, he has only so much time to download some very important information. And if you and I only had one week to live, we wouldn't be singing kumbayas and tralalas and eating Doritos. We'd be sitting with our people, and we'd be wanting to talk to them about some things that are really important before we leave this world. Is everybody tracking with me? So the focus in Jesus' life seemingly elevates the priority, the importance of these messages is really, really high. And I think it's important that we elevate these messages, too, as we approach Resurrection Sunday, or what we call Easter, which is the high holiday for the Christian experience. And so to really appreciate the uh, resurrection, which is the foundation of our faith as Christians. It's not based on the teachings of Jesus. It's based on an event that a man died and he rose from the dead. It got quiet in here, but you should have said amen, because that's really what it's all about. What separates us from all the other religions of the world really is two big things. It's a man said something, and it happened. A guy came back from the dead, and I don't really care what his teachings are. I'd follow him because that's what happened. Now, I do care about his teachings, but they're subordinated to the fact that that's incredible. And because he rose, we can overcome and we can rise above our situations, challenges, and issues in our life as well. But to appreciate the resurrection, we have to understand some of these Passion Week messages. We have to understand that Jesus went to church. Everybody say, Jesus went to church. Can you imagine if he came to church today and he was sitting beside you? You'd be straightened up. You know what I mean? You wouldn't be like, oh, what's up, what's up? You'd be like, hey, whoa. It'd be different if Jesus was in church. But he went to church, and he messed the place up, and he basically said, you guys got to get fired up. You've lost your fire. You've lost your fire. You're not, you're not as passionate as you once were. And so he showed the people at church, you need to have a fire for God and a fire for God's house. And so he said, get fired up. And fire, everybody say fire. fire. It's the only place you can say that without everybody running out of the building. Is, is in church. And so he does that because he knew that there's a tendency for humanity to lose their fire. And then we're going to talk today about the Holy Spirit. Next week we're going to talk about uh, the, the, the Seder Supper, the, the Last Supper, the final meal. The week after that, which is Palm Sunday, we're really going to celebrate Good Friday. But it wasn't a good Friday for Jesus. It was just a good Friday for us because he gave his life so we could have a new life as well. Amen? So that's kind of the focus here. But in John 14, 31, it's not in your notes, but it's really our theme text. Jesus said, I want the world to know something. I love the Father, 
and I do exactly what he tells me to do right down to the final detail. So in other words, he got instructions from headquarters, and, and he receives this message, and should you re- accept this mission impossible, Jesus, it will self-destruct in 60 seconds. Now, and, and so he assumes this assignment, and he, con- he kind of communicates this uh, to his disciples. And one of those messages that was so critical is taken from John chapter 14, 15, and 16, and he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. He introduces a new person kind of to the mix And it was kind of foreign to them. Now, let me give you the context of the text we're going to look at from John chapter 14. A familiar passage, often read at funerals. (laughs) It's very interesting, but it's really much, much more than that. It basically is Thursday night. It's about 6 p.m., which is, in the Jewish culture, closer to Friday than it is Thursday because the day ends at 6 p.m. It was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So we would say it's Thursday night, but really, it's already rolling into Friday. And Jesus is celebrating the Passover supper with them. Passover, what's that? Passover is this uh, remembrance of when the people of God who were enslaved got out of slavery in the land of Egypt. Egypt, for us, now looking back, was a type of world. Israel was the church, and Moses was a type of savior. So you can, you can kind of see in the Old Testament something concealed that is later in the New Testament revealed, kind of unpacked and makes sense. Is, that, is everybody tracking with me right now? And so they're celebrating how God set his people free. But they're getting ready to get set free. In fact, all of humanity is getting ready to get set free because of what Jesus is getting ready to do. And so he unpacks this, and he basically, they're celebrating where the angel of death came over everybody's house. It was the final plague. If you haven't read it in your Bible, some of you watched Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments. And so it's this final plague, and the angel comes over, and in order for the angel of death to pass over the people of God and not kill the firstborn, you had to put blood on the doorposts of your home. When they put the blood on the doorpost of their home, it made the picture of a cross. It was a foreshadowing of a great sacrifice that would take place. And so that our sins, we wouldn't have to pay for those. And, 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 and they, were, they were received for or taken upon someone else. Is everybody tracking with me? And so this is what they're celebrating. And we call it communion today. In the aftermath of what Jesus did for us, we remember not the Passover, we remember the crucifixion. We remember the cross, and we'll do that uh, next week in particular, in the next two weeks, really. And so Jesus is celebrating this with them, and after that, he, he, uh, they start singing some songs and worshiping and hymns, the Bible says. And then after that, all of a sudden there's just just huge shift, and he drops a bomb on them. And so they're like, they're like worshiping, everything's great. David Pisani's there with his guitar, you know, he's got a skull cap on, dragging out the back, skinny jeans and boots, and, and it's going awesome. All of a sudden Jesus goes, boom, hey guys, check it out, I'm getting ready to die. It's like, you know, the chords don't work, nothing works, it's, guitar string pops, you know, piano key goes into a minor. Uh, you musicians know what I'm talking about. Okay, and so they're, they're totally shocked by what Jesus just says in this moment. And they're shocked because 
This person they're following, they thought was going to be a king. He was going to rule. He was going to be an earthly king. In fact, prior to that, they've been politicking and kind of power chairing as close as they could to Jesus in order to be in this position to kind of benefit from this guy who's going to take over. And they mess, he messes up their plan by what he's going to say. And they're freaking out. And so in John 14, here's what he says. He says, hey, guys, check it out. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, trust in God and trust also in me. He basically says, I want you to trust me on something. And he taps into, in essence, the relational equity that he has with them because in, a, in just a few seconds, he messes up everything they thought was going to happen. And he's trying to tell them, hey, guys, it's going to make sense, but it's going to make sense later. So I need you to trust me now. I need you to trust me now. And in the end, it's all going to come, it's all going to come, you know, it's a focus and you're going to get it. Now, similarly with this message, it's the same message Jesus brought, really, I hope. But similarly with this message is, I, I don't want you to trust me with what I'm going to say. Because I'm going to tell you some things for some of you are foreign to you. You don't know. Uh, there's an ignorance. Sometimes it's just a, a lack of knowledge. Some of you, there's a resistance. Some of you, there's some barriers. All I want to say is the same thing Jesus said, and that is trust me. Trust Jesus on this. Not me. Trust Jesus. Because he talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, for three chapters in the final week of his life. In fact, it was his last message before he went to the cross. Amazing. All right? And he, he goes on to say in John 14, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. You know the place to where I'm going. To which Thomas says, no, I have no clue where you're going. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Look at this. No one comes to God but through me, except through me. He makes this radical, narrow, exclusive statement that has drawn a line in the sand for centuries, people have had a problem with the exclusivity and the narrow, seeming narrowness of the gospel. And I'm not really going to spend time on that too much today, but I heard one young man say to his pastor one time, he says, how can God say he loves me uh, when he threatens me with hell? And, and this, this exclusive statement produces questions or commentary like that. And I'll just say this, my, as, a, as, a, as a picture that hopefully will help you with this problem. My daughter, uh, Madison, when she was a little girl, we lived right over here, not in this corner in the, in, the, in, in, in the auditorium, but we lived right out there outside. We used to live out there for many years on 89 Pleasant Street. And years ago, my daughter got a bike and when she was riding her bike, we had like this carport in the back of our yard with, with space if the cars weren't there. And then this long driveway that went out to the main street. And the, and the street we're living on right here was, can be pretty busy at times. And so when she got her bike, she was learning to ride. We would just encourage her. You're doing a great job, Madison. This is awesome. And, and we wanted her to, in essence, stay close to us for her safety and for her protection. Is everybody tracking with me? If you don't have kids, you, know, you, you still know what I'm talking about. And before, first, first off, before she 
she would head, you know, kind of too far down the side. There was just this tendency, this natural inclination for her to go down the side of the house and start heading toward <coughs> danger and towards the main street. And, and so first I would lovingly tell her, Madison, I want you to stay close to daddy. Just stay near daddy, honey. Good job, honey. Stay near daddy. And, and I, I would show her what to do. I would teach her how to bike and all those things. But then she would gravitate once again down the side of the house, start heading down that narrow, start heading for the street. And then I would start to lure my daughter with compliments and redirection and gentle reminders. And I would bring things back up to her. Uh, stay within the safety. You know, daddy needs to be able to see you. But she would keep heading down that driveway. And so eventually, I would threaten her with consequences. Madison, if you keep going down the side of the driveway towards the street, you're going to get in trouble. Now, back then, you know, and I, you can think what you want. I'm just going to say it anyway. I used to spank my kids, you know, and, and they're fine. They have little ticks, you know, if you talk to them. <laughs> but they're okay. They're okay. So daddy's going to spank you if you go down that driveway one more time. And Madison didn't do it while she was singing today. But if she, you just get near her, you'll see those ticks. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you can see... In this, in this illustration, there was a progression. I just, just, just kind of, there was just these loving reminders. Then there was this kind of lured with compliments and redirection and instruction. And then eventually I'd even have to threaten her. Listen, there'll be consequences if you don't. In fact, if she went down the driveway, this is really the heart of a parent, and I think it's the heart of God, and she began to get too close to the street. If she got into the street, I would dive, sacrifice my life, even if it hurt her temporarily, to save her life. That's the heart of a parent, and that's the heart of God. Now listen, am I any less loving when I threaten my daughter than when I lured her with compliments? No, of course not. And so the issue that I think people have with this statement Jesus made, not man, not a church, not a preacher, that I'm the only way, the truth, and the life. It's not an issue of narrowness. It's an issue of God's trying to just get his kids close to him at whatever cost because it's what's best for them. Does that make sense? I want you to understand the gospel through the proper windshield and through the proper context. It'll help us a lot. That's just on the side I had to do that. So Jesus says this to Thomas, and then he goes on, and he says, and he sees like kind of the disappointment. He says, guys, listen, I know you're disappointed. But then he introduces his silent partner. He introduces a silent partner. He introduces this new person, this, this new member to them of what we call in Christianity the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's about all we know about the Holy Spirit is this, this, this little song, right? And so what you don't realize is he talked about the Holy Spirit as they were leaving supper, going to Gethsemane. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the conversation right before he left and when he was ascended. The Holy Spirit was the conversation after he ascended, and the Holy Spirit showed up in the book of Acts right after Jesus left as well. The Holy Spirit was a big topic. And Jesus said before all that, trust me, trust me, trust me. Is everybody with me? Why is it so important? And what's so interesting and what's the irony is it's the number one in Christianity, most controversial subject, that and money, uh, of any other subject. It's brought more confusion, complications, and controversy than any other subject. And Jesus, I think, was trying to emphasize something that was so critical because he knew we were going to need help. It's quiet in here. Is everybody with me? In other words, people are okay with Jesus. You know, some people look at Jesus different ways. You know, he's my homie. You know, he's my big brother. 
You know, some people get it like he's your intercessor, he's your advocate, he's your substitute, he's the propitiation of your sins. Uh, some people get it on a higher level. Some, some people don't have a problem with Jesus. People don't have a problem with dad. They might have daddy issues, but they know God the Father. He's real. You know, I need to be good with God, and, and, and I need to have, I need to have a, a father in my life. They get that. But I don't know about this Holy Ghost. I don't know. People are just resistant to the Holy Ghost. By the way, that term, ghost, that used to freak me out as a young person. I don't know anybody that likes ghosts. They tried it with Casper, but it didn't work. You know what I mean? People still freaked out. Ghosts, you know, like who has a great relationship with ghosts? But here's the thing. Even that is man complicating it because the translators couldn't come up with a word to describe the Holy Spirit. So the original King James is ghost. The New Testament, this is called pneumatology, by the way. The New Testament is, call, is called spirit or Holy Spirit. It was basically the, the, the Holy Spirit is a breath of fresh air. It's a wind at your back. Uh, it's not an it, by the way. It's, he's a person. He's a person. And so they, it's just man's attempt sometimes to try to translate something, complicates it, and sometimes makes it worse. So I don't have a problem with the Holy Ghost once I understand more, but ghosts sometimes messing people up. And it also, what messes it up is what we've seen, what we've heard, and sometimes secondhand. It's not in the Bible. It's just what we've heard from people. I, I had an aversion to the subject of the Holy Spirit because I was exposed to some extremes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some extreme Holy Spirit stuff. Maybe some of you knew, some of you don't. Like, you know, I just thought if I go to that church, they're going to be swinging from the chandeliers and, you know, and playing with snakes. You know, and maybe it wasn't that extreme for you, but that, that's kind of, you know, I, I saw like, this is only applied to some of you. I thought, you know, church was one of two extremes when it came to the Holy Spirit. You got people who don't wear makeup, <laughs> and then you got people who wear too much makeup. You know, you, you got people, you know, that uh, you can't sing in church. and You got other people with a tambourine. <laughs> you know, whoa, and it's just getting wild. Okay, get down and getting crazy. So and it's all of that stuff. And I could tell you stories all day long about these extremes. And I was freaked out by the whole thing. But the reality is the Holy Spirit, it's not good, good, good English, but the Holy Spirit, it's good, it's true, is a hymn. It's a hymn. The Holy Spirit's a hymn. The Bible, actually, Jesus said in John 14, the world cannot accept him. See, the world's got blinders on to it. But God, when we, when we receive Jesus, he opens our eyes to see. But then the enemy tries to come in, and he masquerades as an angel of light, and he comes in to try to distort. And he is the author of confusion, so if there's confusion, it's because he's a part of that. But the Holy Spirit is a hymn. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are. If there's something weird happening, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's people. People are weird, right? We know that. You know weird people. You may be one of those. I can be one of those sometimes, okay? And so the incentive, though, is if you, you would love it if Jesus was walking alongside you. You would love it if he was with you day to day, but that's what the Holy Spirit's job is. He's known as the one who comes alongside you. But if we thought Jesus could be with us every day and help us with our problems and help us with the catastrophes that happen in our life, and he was right, it would be amazing. We think nothing of it. If you were walking along the road, and you're walking your dog, and God forbid your dog get hit by a car, you'd be like, Jesus, and Jesus just go, we'll pray for that dog, raise it up, let's go, we keep on walking again, you're good, because you got Jesus with you. Right? It'd be awesome if you're walking along with your cat, you know, and something, God forbid, happened to your cat. And you're like, Jesus, help me. And Jesus is like, let's do the funeral. <laughs> it's a little cat joke, little cat joke. 
I can help you with that, Jesus would say. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but, but we love that. But Jesus has said, I got to go so he will come, basically so he can be with everybody. Jesus couldn't do that. The Holy Spirit can be with all of us. The Holy Spirit also, the Holy Spirit is God. Did you know that? He's God. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, check this out so you can just see the theological consistency of the statement. This is talking about a time when the Holy Spirit had been poured out so much so that people were giving of their possessions. They were selling all they had and they were putting at the, the apostles' feet. And the Bible says no one had need. It was revival. You know there's revival when all the needs are being met in the local church. And it always affects resources. It's just a book of Acts principle. And Peter says to these two people, Ananias and Sapphira. That's not a skin disease. That's two people, okay? Ananias and Sapphira. I got a bad case of Sapphira. Okay, Ananias. Sorry, I just had to make it make sense. Ananias says, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Okay, so look. These two people, well, one of them, excuse me, lies to the Holy Spirit. And have kept for yourselves some of the money that you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to... So the Holy Spirit is God, and God is the... Holy Spirit, okay? And so some people will make accusations of churches like this. And I've heard these things over the years. You know, I don't know about that Connect Church. They got that Holy Spirit stuff going on over there. I don't know. All the Holy Spirit stuff going on there. Like, what does that mean? What are they talking about? What are, you, what are you saying? In other words, they're saying, I don't know about that church. It's a God church. I mean, that's really what they're saying from a doctrinal standpoint. Is everybody tracking with me? We're just saying the Holy Spirit's God and God is the Holy Spirit. And he better, we don't believe in just God the Father and God the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Just like we sang and just like we declared just a few minutes ago in worship. Amen? Okay, so... That's some misunderstandings. Now we have these barriers as well. Now three of the barriers that we have that kind of keep us, so we give the Heisman to the Holy Spirit, one of them is ignorance. Everybody say ignorance. Now this isn't, this isn't like an accusation. This is just a statement of you don't know what you didn't know. Some people just haven't been introduced to the Holy Spirit. So part of the reason we do church is to say, hey, we want you to have what we call the full gospel. You don't just get this and this. No, we want you to have the full menu of what God has for you. Just like Jesus was unpacking more than just God the Father, more than just relationship with him. He's like, I got to go. He's going to come. I want you to know about him. Some people don't know about him. In Acts chapter 19, verse 2, he, the, the apostles go to some people who had already received Jesus, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. In fact, they didn't even know about him. They said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, when you became a Christian? They answered, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So some people could be missing out on one of the greatest alliances or partnerships in this life to help us with this life. And my advice to you if you're in that situation is, in some ways you're blessed because you got a blank page. You get a fresh start. You don't have any cruddy, crazy stories and bad habits and bad experiences. Let me tell you something. You're blessed. And you're bl I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make an unqualified statement. You're blessed to be in this church because it's a biblical church. And all I'm going to say is go to your Bible, read some of these scriptures for yourself, and go with an open heart and trust Jesus' own words. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit is going to help you. The Holy Spirit is not an it or a force or some transcendent cloud. You know, or anything like that. He will help you in a big way. And if you can see him as a person, you can have a personal relationship with him. 
All right? Here's the second obstacle, and that is fear. This was probably my greatest obstacle as it related to the subject of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Because when I was being exposed to the Holy Spirit, I was convinced from the context and from the representation that I wasn't going to have fun anymore. That it was just going to be, the Holy Spirit was just going to be about reminding me of my sin and reminding me of my shortcomings. And on top of that, if I surrendered fully to the Holy Spirit, he was going to send me off to Africa. I was going to live in a mutt hut and be just tortured by mosquitoes the rest of my life <laughs> as a missionary. Okay, So I thought, in essence, I'm going to lose my life if I give up control. And there's a, there's a connection. In fact, nope, you gain more life when you give up control. In Ezekiel, there's a prophecy there that really references our relationship with the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel chapter 30, uh, 47, excuse me, it says in so many words, and I'll summarize some of this as you're looking at it. But basically, here's what's going on here. In this, this is the interpretation, an interpretation, but, an, but a solid one of this text. Christians... Right now, in this room, including myself, are at different levels of engagement with God. Different levels of relationship with God. That's, we're, we're all moving from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We're all learning precept upon precept. We're all experiencing greater and greater revelation, especially in cooperation with the Holy Spirit and in pursuit of God, passionate pursuit of God. All right? But some of us are just satisfied with a certain level. We're not actually wanting to go to another level. I encourage you, that is not wisdom. Some of us are staying ankle deep in our relationship with God. I got Jesus. He's my homie. I got eternal security. If I die, I know I confessed him as Lord. I got the fire insurance, and I'm good with that. Just good with that. Just going to keep it right there. Just going to get my toe in there. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Some of us have gone knee high. We realize Okay, he's done something for me. I probably ought to give myself back, and so I'm going to serve. I'm going to do something like, I'm going to get in the church. I'm going to do some good stuff, you know. I'm going to do some good things. Some of us are taking to another level, like, whoo, we're waist deep. Whoo, it got cold when you went waist deep. You know what I'm talking about, gentlemen? <laughs> it got cold there. And that's probably when you're giving up your money. That's when it gets cold, okay? And so... You're waist deep, you start becoming a contributor, you start giving, and before you know it, you know, you're, 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 but you're still in control. You haven't lost control yet. You haven't fully lost your, you're giving some of your life, come on now, you have to pay attention, you know, you could get sucked in, huh? You know what I mean? But some of you are still in control. But what God's trying to tell us and what Jesus is instructing his disciples is you need to step all the way into the river because when you step into the river and you surrender to the current, you will experience life to the full. Abundant life. It says in the river, in the middle of the river, when you give up control, it is teeming with life, the Bible says. Some of you have not experienced that kind of life. Some of you are living on that control side. You don't realize all the life's on this side when you let the Holy Spirit come in to your life fully. But you're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to let go. Everybody say, let go. It's so critical that you see it the way God sees it. Number three, here's another barrier, and that is resistance. Everybody say resistance. Resistance is futile, futile, as they say in Star Trek. Okay, so here's the thing. When you keep giving the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christ follower, the Heisman, he's going to keep messing with you. He's going to keep poking. Because uh, you're going you're to say, God, I got a problem. God, I got an issue. He's going to be like, I, I had a solution. But you, but you won't. You want to stay ankle deep. 
You want to stay knee high. You're still waist high. He's going to keep coming back, and he's going to keep trying to bring and introduce this Holy Spirit to you. In Acts chapter 7, the Bible says it like this. This is what, this was believers. This is a believers thing. He says, we can be stiff. I always want to say naked, but stiff necked. <laughs> Whenever I read that, I see it that way. I don't see it that way. Here, whatever. Okay. <laughs> God help me. You stiff necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always, what? Resist the Holy Spirit. See, the only per- we're stubborn. We're resistant to the only thing and only one who can help us. It's the same thing when bad things happen. Sometimes people get mad at God. God's like, God is good. Life is unfair. When life is out of control, God is still good and he's still in control. we got to learn to separate our problems from the person of God. We do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The only one who can help us in our situations is the Holy Spirit, but we're resisting him and his partnership in our life. The o- your blessing is connected to your, to, to your not resisting the Holy Spirit. If you're resisting the Holy Spirit, you are shortcutting, short-circuiting the blessings of God. The only person you should resist is the devil. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But on the front end of the verse, it says, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we have to surrender control. It's teeming with life if we do. But why don't we? Because we saw stuff. We think stuff. It was an experience we heard about, we had, and it was extreme. That's Don't let the misrepresentation of man short-circuit the purity of the Holy Spirit. Don't don't let the gifts of the Holy Spirit, some of you know what I'm talking about now, the gifts of the Holy Spirit hijack a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. I actually believe Jesus introduces the sequence in order for us to have all that he has for us. The sequence is know the person, understand the roles, and be able to experience and practice the gifts. But the church man flipped it totally upside down and made it about actually one gift. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's the gift of tongues. And so because having the Holy Spirit might include or does include the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, does include speaking in tongues, I'm out. I don't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. No, Jesus is like, wait, 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 wait. That's just one gift, by the way, of nine And it's just one part of what he does for us, walking alongside us in the role he has with us. And you're short-circuiting a personal relationship with God with you on earth. Jesus was about this, and the Holy Spirit is about here helping you. Don't miss it because one gift hijacked the whole relationship with the Holy Spirit. Is everybody tracking with me on this? This will help you in a big way. And so, yes, we need, we need some of the gifts. We need the power for the curveballs that happen in our life. But he can't trust us with his power if we don't know the person of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting blessed by this message right now. Listen, listen. In the, in the book of Genesis, do you know the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning? Did you know that, yes or no? He was there, and he covered the waters. He covered the seas. He was the one that took the chaos of earth and brought it into order. Listen, listen. That's exactly what he wants to do with your personal life. If you will let the Holy Spirit come in, all the chaos in your life, he'll bring order. He's not crazy. He's a God of order. You need him because life is crazy. And you need him to bring order into your life. Oh, my gosh. Help me, Jesus. Okay, so here's five things I want you to know that are his role. Number one, write this down. He will be with me. 
So he wants to come alongside you. He's the paraclete, not the parakeet, everybody, okay? He's the one who comes alongside you. In John chapter 14, verse 26, and it says, And the Father, I'll ask the Father. So Jesus is going to go to heaven. He's going to ask God, and then God's going to say, okay, and he's going to send a counselor. Some translations say comforter right here. Some say advocate. Some say helper. I like comforter. I don't know if you guys like comforters. Does anybody like Does any girls buy a nice comforter for their house? Raise your hand if you've ever bought a nice comforter, right? You know, gentlemen, your wife comes to you and she, they don't want a bedspread. Bedspread and comforter are two different things in case, I didn't know that. Bedspread's like $29.99, comforter, you need a second mortgage, okay? (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I remember with my mom, she starts buying comforters for all the house. She's got all these fancy comforters. And, and I remember sleeping, you know, you know at, at home. And I'm like, Mom, can I, can I sleep in that room? Because it had this new puffy comforter. And she's, she's like, yeah, you can sleep in that room. And so I was looking forward to it. And so that night I go into the room. The comforter's gone. <laughs> and all you girls know exactly what's going on. All us guys are like, what happened? What happened? What happened? We don't know. The comforter was not for use. That's what my mom said. I said, Mom, where's the comforter? I want the puffy comforter. Where's the puffy comforter? I was so excited. I want to take a nap on it. I want to sleep in it. I want to make a tent with it. Where is it? She goes, honey, it's for you. It's for show, not for use. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. That's what some of you have relegated the Holy Spirit to. Just show, not for use. The Holy Spirit is your comforter, he's your counselor, he's your advocate, he is your intercessor, he is your helper, he is the one who comes alongside you. That paraclete, it means when you pick up one half of the log, this is the, this is the word, the, he comes on the other side and helps you pick the other half up. I don't know about you, but I need somebody to help me pick some stuff up in my life. I like to pick stuff up, and I'm pretty strong, but I still need some help once in a while, okay? All right? Number two, write this down. He will reveal the Bible to me. I love this. One of his roles is to bring revelation to the scriptures. Some of you read the Bible, and it's just like, I don't know, it just doesn't do anything for me. Why? Because you haven't invited the Holy Spirit into your life. See, part of the Holy Spirit's job, I, I call it, I, I just use little terms, I call it heavy revy. So I, sometimes I'll read something a hundred times, then all of a sudden, bam, this thing jumps off the page. I'm like, what? It, it just, that is incredible. That is so good. You know who did that for me? The Holy Spirit did that for me. And listen, what happens is when you, until, not when, until you get a revelation of God's word, it won't be activated in your life so you can actually apply it and become it. You need revelation to actually have the the word of God living and active in you is a result of revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit about the word itself. So sometimes the word's not working in you because you're not getting revelation about it, and you're not getting revelation about it because you don't have the Holy Spirit in partnership with you as you read it. This is so powerful. Number three, write this down. He will help me share my faith with others. The alarm's going off, so my time must be up. Okay, and so here's, here's one of the things I want to say about sharing your faith. This is what I was saying earlier in the announcements. I was preaching the announcements. Some of you, listen, I'm going to say this kindly. Some of you have never shared your faith with somebody else let alone prayed for somebody to come to Jesus. I'm not saying that as a, to make you feel condemned. I'm just, I want to incentivize you. The reason is, is because you don't have the Holy Spirit in partnership with you. You haven't received the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 5 and 8, you will be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. See, God says they're going to need something. 
If I'm going to go and I'm not going to be here, they're going to need some help. And so the Holy Spirit wants to bring power into your life. And I think the number one assignment of the Holy Spirit is not just to come alongside, personally is to come alongside you, but corporately is to help us fulfill the Great Commission. And he says, you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses. Some of us are not witnessing because you haven't received the power. And because you haven't been introduced to the person, you don't understand the role, and that makes you afraid of the power. God wants you to have this. Amen? Are you guys tracking with me? And so we've been distracted by other things, and I think it's been a ploy of the enemy from the beginning. In John chapter 15, verse 26, the Bible says something like this. Um, where is it in my notes? There we go. It says, I will send... Uh, the Holy Spirit who comes from the Father, and he will show you what is true. The Spirit will help you, and he will tell you about me. One translation says it will help you testify about me. See, I had an approval addiction. Uh, New Testament translation or, or, or Bible translation for that is a fear of man when I was growing up. Believe it or not, this person was ashamed and afraid to share his faith. So much so that I would hide it. I would lie about it. I was Peter before Pentecost. That was me. But Peter couldn't stand up to a little girl. He denied Jesus three times, yet he had a personal internship for three years with the Son of God. That's some pretty good training. And yet he was ashamed, and yet he was afraid, and yet he was intimidated. But when he met the Holy Spirit, and I submit to you, when I met the Holy Spirit, I became bold. And I was not afraid to share my faith. And when the opportunity pop up, I will speak up. That's not all the time, and I'm not trying to brag, but I'm just saying it was a major difference when I invited partnership with the Holy Spirit into my life. It made me a different person. I received conviction, and I received confidence. Number four, write this down. He will convict me when I'm wrong. He will convict me when I'm wrong. Now, I used to think convict was God's job was to make me feel bad. That's the devil's job. If you feel bad all the time, it's the devil. That's condemnation. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, right? Romans 8, chapter 1. But listen, see, the condemnation is a result of conviction unattended. You become condemned because you didn't respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Conviction can be easily uh, uh, intertwined with the word convince. In fact, that's a, a, maybe a better translation of the word convict. God, the Holy Spirit, comes into your life to convince you that's not a good idea. You don't want to do that. You don't want to say that. You don't want to buy that. You don't want to, you know, behave that way in this particular. One time my wife, uh, we, were, we were leaving somebody's house, a friend of ours, we were, and we had some new friends in the backseat of our car, barely even knew them. And we were leaving my friend Lane's house. And I was coming up. It was dark, pitch black. We came up to a light. Nobody's there. And this light was going on forever. And I, just, I decided in my head, I'm just going to blow this light off. No cop, no stop. Just being honest, no cop, no stop. I'm like, I'm just going to go. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you don't want to do that. And then I'm like, oh, come on. There's nobody here looking around. There's like one car. It's like a mile away. I can see these little itty-bitty lights. And so I get ready to go, and my wife goes, I don't, what are you doing? It's a red light. You don't want to go. I'm like, oh, honey. She goes, look at that car. That could be a police. I go, that's not a cop. Woo, 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 woo. Right then, as soon as I went through the light, woo, woo. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, I told you. And then I heard my wife say, I told you. I'm like, honey, I already have one Holy Spirit. I don't need another one. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, 
is there to convince you not to do it. In Isaiah chapter 30, there's this, it says there's this voice that will come and say, don't go, th- don't go that way, go this way. See, when you begin to walk and, and establish this friendship with the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to recognize this. There's times where I, you, you think I'm crazy, but I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, sometimes out loud, sometimes in my head, like, he's my friend. I bring him into my life. Amen? Here's my fifth point. Say, everybody say, I'm so sad this is over. He will guide me through life. Stay with me to the end here. He will guide me through life. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says it like this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And it doesn't say this, but, it, but I meant to put this there. And it says, and will tell you what is to come. Can you add that next service? And it will tell you what is to come. So this isn't the Holy Spirit is a fortune teller. That's not what it's saying. It's saying when you're getting ready to make a big decision, you're thinking about what you should do or what you shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit will be like an umpire in your life and give you peace or a lack of peace about a situation. In Christianity, we call it having a check in your spirit. A check in your spirit. Now listen, God wants you to cultivate that for yourself. A byproduct of a good decision is the Holy Spirit will give you peace about it. Listen, listen, listen. When you're trying to, should I marry him? Should I marry her? No, you shouldn't. No, I'm sorry. This, I just want to throw that in. No, listen to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will always be confirmed by wisdom, wise counsel, God's word, and peace, an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we struggle to listen to the Holy Spirit, and we turn down the volume, so God will bring a person in the form of the Holy Spirit, i.e. Stacy Fry. For me, sometimes, I'm like, oh, the Holy Spirit's talking to my wife right now. I wish, could you talk to her about being nicer about it? Like, sometimes I'm like, I know it's you, but come on. And he's like, well, I was nice, but I had to bring her in. Okay? But if you don't listen to the prophetic warnings and the people that God puts in your life to bring that conviction and convince you, then you're going you're gonna to feel it through the circumstances. God is using the Holy Spirit that wants to help you and guide you and lead you into all truth. So listen, follow peace, and peace will follow you all the days of your life. Amen? Put your notes away. I want to pray for you. <laughs> Somebody's getting set free. Hallelujah. I have two calls to action as you're being very still. Listen sincerely. There's kind of like, there's two big things that are going on when you're here on earth, okay? One is Jesus came to earth to make things right between you and God. And then, secondly, he wants to introduce you to the Holy Spirit so you can, you can be successful in this life. You can overcome in this life. I love this scripture from 2 Corinthians 13. It says, the amazing grace of the master Jesus. Why is the ama- why is it, why is why is it amazing grace? Because it's just like going to a restaurant and you had, you had a meal. Somebody has to pay for that meal. And when somebody pays for your meal, you're like, wow, who paid for that? It was, it was amazing. It was grace. God did that on a grander, Jesus did that on a grander scale. You had a bill that had to be paid, and he paid it. That's amazing grace. And then he says the extravagant love of God, this is God the Father. Why is, why is God's Father so extravagant? Because he killed his son for you. I have one firstborn blood son. I have two sons now, Wilkes and Devin. But my firstborn, I'm sorry, I love you. But if to save you I had to kill my son, see ya. I don't love you that much. But God the Father's love was so extravagant, he killed his son. 
so that you could be in right standing with him. And the son willingly did that for you. That's why it's extravagant. And then it says, thirdly, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Some of us are not receiving everything that God in the Godhead has for us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never received the amazing grace of Jesus and the extravagant love of the Father, there's only one way for that to happen. You have to trust Jesus. You have to trust in Jesus. You have to transfer trust in yourself, in your works, to what Jesus did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. And if you've never done that, I want you to be courageous today. You're not here by accident. It's, it's, it's providence. It's an amazing opportunity. You may never get it again. I don't know. But I want you to say yes to Jesus. I want you to be bold and say yes to you. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to make sure I'm in right relationship with Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand. Good and high. So don't miss it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all the way in the back there. Thank you, son. Thank you. I see your hand, sister. Anybody else? Thank you. All the way in the back for your courage. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. You can put your hand down. Now, I think there's going to be a bigger group here. If you know you're doing life without the helper, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, because of certain barriers, you've given him the Heisman. I don't know, but you're ready to, you're ready to stop resisting. You're ready to drop those fears and that you're ready to re- learn more about the Holy Spirit and come into relationship with him. The person, learn about his role so you can receive his power. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to miss out on that. All over the room. Good night. Don't miss it. Show the Holy Spirit you're serious, not just me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hand That's amazing. That's awesome. Now, I want you to sincerely pray something with me. And I'd appreciate it if the rest of the church would join in on this. I'm going to pray for that first group and second group together. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I transfer trust from what I could do to what you already did. It was an amazing grace, you giving your life for me. And God the Father, giving his son for me, I receive that grace by faith right now in Jesus' name. Save me in this moment. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life today. I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to know your role in my life. And I accept it. And I need your power. Father, I pray for every person that's here right now. Jesus, I pray for every person that's here right now within the sound of my voice. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come upon every person as the agent of change that saves person that were lost and now they're found, that also gives people the power to overcome in this life, that gives people the wisdom that they need. You guide them and lead them into all truth. You show them the way. You convince and convict them where they need it. All those things you do, God, make it available to them. Lord, I believe and, and, and trust you that a relationship is starting today that will be an intimate friendship that will begin now and last forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, and all God's church said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Love you guys. God bless you so much.